Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome to A Blue Perspective on Colorado Today. I'm Rick Crandall, taking an opportunity in the program this week for something special. Uh, ask you to think back to New Year's Eve, a little welcoming the new year, the excitement that goes with all that, the celebration, and then the horrific news in Douglas County as they were getting word that one of their own had been killed uh, by somebody likely determined to be suffering from mental health issues. But the first Colorado law enforcement death of the year came on the year's very first day, soon to be followed by a second and then to be followed by a third. And you would well expect at that point that our law enforcement community would be facing some pretty extreme challenges. And with those challenges, perhaps an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to grow closer, no doubt, but an opportunity for us as a community to rally behind them and support them at this time and learn what we as a community can do different, to get beyond simple thoughts and prayers, but to being really very proactive. And it seems maybe some of that has happened. Today we're joined by Dr. Sarah Garrido, Sarah, a police psychologist who was closely involved with the Aurora Police Department after the 720 shootings, the theater shootings, and continues to work with them. Sergeant Mike Petrusu with the Aurora Police Department as the exec officer. Uh, Aurora Police Department Chief Nick Metz, who helped assemble the team that's with us today, and Douglas County Sheriff. Tony Spurlock, each of them an integral, important part of this story, and we begin the conversation with them. How about we give them a chance to introduce themselves as well so you're familiar with the participants as you hear the discussion here on the radio station. Go ahead and let us know who you are. Uh, Sergeant Mike Petrusu, Executive Officer for Chief Metz. Tony Spurlock, the Douglas County Sheriff. Dr. Sarah Garrido with Code 4 Counseling. Nick Metz, Chief of Police, Aurora Police Department. Nick, I'm going I'm to start with you. First off, thanks for, for gathering the gang and putting this all together today. And I was looking at a statistic earlier this morning, and it's I think we're up to like 22, 23 law enforcement officers killed across the country already mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. Last year was 129, I believe, at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a trend that continues. How do we get to where we are right now? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting when you really look at the statistics in actuality, uh, we're actually seeing a decline. And a lot of that decline is because of training and better equipment and so forth. I think a lot of it has to do with the media, social media, and others taking, uh, giving this issue a lot more attention than it has in the past. Um, in the past, if a police officer was killed in Florida, oftentimes we never heard about it. Now we are hearing about it. I think there's some good and bad with that. I think the good part is I think it's good that people in the community are understanding that the risks that our officers go through, the, the fact that our officers run in when everybody runs out. I think the bad is that people start to think that society is collapsing. But I think what I've been really heartened to see over these last couple months especially is 
folks like you and others in the community who are really giving greater attention to the issue and and wanting to do something about it. We have been really struggling these last couple months, especially in how we, one, keep our officers motivated to want to do this job and to get out there and keep doing what they committed to, and also making sure their families are feeling supported and are getting what they need, especially every time they tell their loved one goodbye before shift, not knowing whether or not they're going to come home. Sure. Sheriff Spurlock, after what happened at the beginning of the year, what your department has gone through, was there anybody in the department that said, man, I I can't do this? No, it did happen. We've had two officers put us on notice. Uh, One wants to transfer to a civilian division in my office. The other one is going to leave. So we're already seeing that. And just this last Saturday, we put on an event, which was kind of a healing event, informing the employees. And we partnered with Castle Rock uh, Police Department to really try to head off some of those issues because you can see the stress and the officers face and and as nick said we our, our job really is is to make sure that they feel confident that they have the skills and the training to go back to work and make sure that we're sharing with them every briefing so the key is really staying in front of the stress and the trauma that the officers are feeling every day that their family's feeling and that we can assure not only the family but the officers you're doing the right things. You're properly trained. Keep your head on, in the game and, and move forward. On New Year's Eve and on January 1st, I was struck by this this thought. I, I know you've had to talk to somebody yourself here, right, as this has gone on. Uh, you know, that morning was obviously a lot of things going through my head. And um, at the hospital, uh, I was quickly surrounded by, you know, my friends and, and, and partners. Nick was there, Dave Walter, the sheriff of Rappo County, you know, immediately came to my side. Matt Packard, the Colorado State Patrol chief, hours into it, just hours into it, I was able to turn to, to people that I trust and know and say, hey, you know, where do I go here? I have 50 intersections to turn down. I should only pick one. And, and, and so getting advice and guidance from folks that had, you know, past experience, quite frankly, people that I trusted that knew that had their head a little bit different in the game than I did, given the fact that I was in the emergency room with three officers still being cared for. Right. Um, and at the time they were giving me guidance, I, I still had Zach Parrish in the apartment complex that hadn't been rescued yet. That's where I went. I have to give my wife a shout out too, only because she was texting me and and just giving me words of encouragement. You know what you're doing, you know, just stay the course. I was able to talk to Nick and to other folks that were able to support me. Mike is a law enforcement officer and the guys and the the women that are, as soon as something like this happens with Zach Parrish, what are they thinking? Well, it's interesting. I have an an interesting role uh, on our police department where I oversee all of our wellness programs, both our physical and and mental or emotional wellness programs. And it's it's both a good thing and a bad thing when it comes to the social media aspect. And and the bad thing is our officers are, are inundated with those messages messages um, through social media, through the news, day in and day out when these things are happening across the country. And really, it gives them kind of a false sense of the amount that are actually happening compared from year to year. What's interesting for us or what's necessary for us to do is is to remind them of all the good things that happen with this job and why they got into it in the first place, bringing them back to why they signed up to do this and what they do with the community and, and the amount of people in the community that do support them. It's great that we're able to do that and provide some programs and do some things when these events happen, but really that happens all year round. 
it's necessary for us to, to build that foundation every day of the year when it comes to supporting not only the officers, but the families. If you're thinking about quitting, remember why you got into it to begin with, mm-hmm. right? Which could apply to almost anything in your life. And that's exactly what you're saying. There are so many people that come up to us when we're out and that thank us for our service. And there's been just an increase in that. And, and those are the things we, we try to get our people to grab onto. It's those folks that continue to support us in the community, that, that are praying for us, that are looking out for us um, and want us to continue on. If you just tuned in, this is A Blue Perspective on Colorado Today, joined by Sergeant Mike Petrusso of the Aurora Police Department, the Aurora Police Department Chief Nick Metz, Douglas County Sheriff Tony Spurlock, and from Code 4 Counseling, Dr. Sarah Garrido. So, Dr. Sarah Garrido here. Sarah, you're listening to him, right? As a psychologist who's worked with these departments and with these men, are you hearing what you would hope to hear? I am, and I smile when I'm around these folks because they're all incredibly resilient. And, and that, I think, is what we want officers to remember, their families to remember, the community to remember. It's incredibly sad when we as a law enforcement family, lose someone. It's it's a family. And so when one agency loses a family member, the entire culture loses a family member. And so we grieve together. Um, but law enforcement is one of the most resilient cultures I've ever worked with. And it's incredible to see the love that they have for each other. And while they grieve, and it's one of the things that I always teach the folks that I work with is you have to normalize that fear. Of course, people question, is this the right job for me. And the family's question, do I want to be a part of this? It's scary. It absolutely is scary. And so we have to start there when we lose somebody and say, you know what, it's completely normal to be scared for a while and to question the job. But what we then want to help people move to is remembering, like Sergeant Petrusu said, all of the wonderful things about this job and and for everyone to redirect and, and to find that personal mi- mission statement that they have as to why do you do this? And to make sure that they include their family in that communication of why we do this, why we bleed blue. Um, it is completely normal when, when some folks, especially those who are closest to the incident, say, I need a minute to process this. And I have all the respect in the world for the people who can say that, say, you know what, I'm not sure the best place for me right now is on the streets. I need to be with my family. I need to finish processing this. And so I've never, I've never had an issue with an agency when I say, you know what, this person needs a little bit of time let them process, and they'll get back to it. I, I have a lot of respect for the agencies that really support that. Nick, in Aurora, we live in a town that, goodness gracious, I forget how many languages we speak in our town. It's 150, 160-some languages. And I respect the fact that it seems like every other day you, uh, Mike with you, others from the department are knee-deep in that community, meeting people in their churches, in their homes, in their community centers. And I get it that with that diverse uh, cultural mix, every culture has its own impression of law enforcement coming from their own experiences where they've immigrated here from, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So you have to create maybe a little bit of comfort. Hey, we're the good guys. Mm -hmm. It's a constant challenge, but it's a fun challenge. It is a really fun challenge. And I know, and I've seen, uh, you know, Sheriff Spurlock at work doing the same exact thing. We, you know, we got into this business in many ways because we are social beings. We want to go out. We want to help people. We want to develop good relationships. We know at some point or another in in our communities, we're going to deal with a tragedy, a real big tragedy, or we're going to deal with some kind of major controversy that maybe is a controversy that kind of pits the police against the community. It could be like, you know, a controversial officer involved shooting or something like that. 
Those aren't the times to build those relationships, the time during a crisis. We have to get ahead of that. I think what I'm really heartened about, you know, with the, with the agencies here in the metro area is that they're very proactive in getting out into the community. And like you said, we have a lot of, we have a large immigrant population. We have people who come here with really different ideas of what cops are based on what they experienced in their culture. And so we have to go to them and we show them you know, what we're like and that we can be trusted and that we are, we're good people and we're, we like to have fun and conversate. Um, and it's amazing that when a tragedy does occur or when there's some kind of crisis in that community, they will reach out to us and they will come to us and say, we, we need you. Um, and you know, that's the one thing too, you know, we talked about, you know, Mike talked about, you know, how, um, in these last couple months, you know, um, folks coming to us and expressing support and thanking us for what we do or, or providing, you know, sympath, sympathetic messages. That's been happening so much from all parts of our community, you know, again, very diverse community. And um, that's been really cool to see. You don't see that in a lot of cities. For all three of you, the bad guys have really got armed because I've heard this now where officer involved shootings or, or any kind of violence has happened in a variety of situations, right? Domestic disputes, uh, traffic stops. I mean, that's tough. It is, and I think there's always been a large number of, of um, weapons in our country. Um, what we were founded on, our Second Amendment, of course. And, and we encounter folks all the time with guns. And, and I, I said this in an interview and had some people kind of push back on me a little bit, but, you know, we train our officers to... Um, anticipate the worst but treat them as the best and and be prepared but not uh, you know aggressive and and i can tell you i've i've lived in the denver metro area my whole life adult life and i think that we have great law enforcement all through the metro area and and i and i see that all the time but you know we we run across calls all the time with weapons and it's something that, that we just train our officers to deal with um, and it is but i don't see Colorado coming out, particularly in the metro area where we have very aggressive, you know, law enforcement stance. Um, as Nick has said before, I mean, he, he goes into a lot of his communities where the, these folks do not um, see them as the same as we see, as I see them. And so, but they don't go in, you know, all armored up. They go in looking just like they are right today and with the hand stretched out. Let, let me introduce myself. That's what Zach Parrish was doing, right? What I read that came out afterwards was, I mean, to the end of his life, he was trying to help somebody who needed help. Probably the most touching part of any body cam video and audio is watching um, Zach Parrish, knowing after the fact what happened to him, watching him de-escalate that call from the second he got on it until the end of time for him. And it, and it truly was one of those things. That's what he was doing. He was continually to reach out to someone who had a mental illness for sure and was trying to, to uh, de-escalate that situation. And then unfortunately, it, it, it didn't turn, turn out well for him. But I can tell you that um, I'm not going to let that moment pass. You know, we're going to share that with every officer that comes in and say, this is what you do. This is how you de-escalate those. You know, I always talk a lot about the officers that are injured 
no one ever talks about. Right. The officers who are shot and survive, those are the officers who carry a tremendous amount. And I'm sure Sarah sees this in her business. That injury and their, not the physical injury, but the mental um, goes a lifetime. Yeah. And so w- we, we prepare our folks for that too. If you've just joined us, this is A Blue Perspective, part of Colorado Today. And we are joined by members of the law enforcement community whose hearts, souls, and daily routine have been changed by events in Colorado this year and in previous years. Joining us, the uh, Douglas County Sheriff, Tony Spurlock, Dr. Sarah Garrido, psychologist with Code 4 Counseling, Sergeant Mike Petrusu from the Aurora Police Department, the exec officer to the Police Department Chief, Nick Metz. And Nick, mental health, it's one of the things that has to be part of the conversation. I've been in this job a long time, and the demands of what it was, was placed on me as a young officer compared to now what the demands are for our officers, it's night and day. Um, you know, we're constantly seeing different social service um, resources diminishing, and people don't know who to call, so who do they call? They call 911. And that becomes the now that we're, we've become therapists, we've become counselors, social workers, doing things that you know law enforcement didn't do 15, 20, 30 years ago. The sheriff brought up what Zach was doing before that shooting, and I saw the video as well. And this was a guy who went through special training that has only been around a few years. And you know, it's it's paying off and it's helping to resolve situations uh, much more peacefully. Are we talking about PTSD? I think people know that term a little bit, you know, because of, of what they've heard from the military. But I can it sure sounds like that to me. Absolutely. Um, they're exposed to an enormous amount of general stress, trauma, stress, vicarious trauma, all of that on a day to day basis. And our job as clinicians is to help them learn to work through that. And it's absolutely possible. Do some get to the point of of developing PTSD? Absolutely. Um, Sometimes the injury is incredibly great and and the burden they have to carry is incredibly great. So uh, some do develop PTSD, but there's also a a balance between what we can do to help them move forward and a lot do. We've certainly seen officers in multiple agencies that suffer extraordinary injuries and have gone on to be incredibly valuable members of their department um, in whatever role they, they take on from there. A lot of what we talk about in law enforcement psychology is similar to sports psychology. Once you have an injury, sometimes it heals completely, and sometimes, you know, you, you have the injury for a really long time, and, and things will tweak that injury again. Yeah. And so something like trauma is similar to that in that my guess is your employee a lot of days feels great oh, and yeah. does fine. Yeah, yeah. And then something will trigger it and tweak the injury, and, and so that, you know, individual then kind of has to work through it again. Um, and that, again, is a normal part of trauma recovery. Um, the more people can understand that that's normal and and seek the resources, seek the help that they need to assist in that recovery throughout the entire course of their journey, the better off they end up doing. We have to take away the judgment and the shame that comes with experiencing a psychological injury. Once people realize it's an injury, it's going to happen, 
Um, there are a lot of resources available to help someone recover. And once they really can can come to terms with that, they tend to do better in, in the recovery process. I think we've made great strides in that in the law enforcement community over the last decade or so when it comes to the stigma of, of getting help for your, your mental or emotional uh, issues. I can speak for our department that we've come a long way. And, and I can see that just in the, in the last couple of years that I've been involved and the number of people that are willing to reach out for services. And, you know, Dr. Garrido and those in, in her community, it, it's huge that we have a- access to them and they're huge assets to our department um, when when these things happen. I think the what we've noticed even more in the last couple of years is they're huge assets on the front end. And, and that's where we're really trying to make a difference now is um, some of the programs that we've started at the police department. And my, my counterpart is not here today, uh, Officer Emily Hitchings, but she's just kind of run with this from the Employee Support and Wellness Unit and developing new programs. And we're, we're trying to get it on the front end in the academy with building resiliency um, and having uh, folks like Dr. Grito come in and, and teach classes uh, alongside of us to these new recruits um, and their families, um, some family uh, academies and things like that, to st- try to build up the, the officer's resiliency, the family's resiliency, and, and start to build that foundation. So then when these incidents do happen, um, one, they're, they're, they're in a better position to that possibly come through it and healthy, um, or at least with a little bit of mitigation or intervention, um, we can get them back healthy more quickly. It's a long road and it's a big process. And I think we're finally getting smart about breaking it into pieces and making sure we're trying to cover these folks and their families through their entire career, uh, not just when something bad happens. Before coming to Aurora, I was with the Seattle police for 30 years. In 2009, in an eight-week period in our metro region, we lost seven officers, uh, line of duty deaths. In every single one of those situations, except for one, they were all ambushes. They were, they were attacks on officers simply because they were wearing the uniform, not because they were, you know, I think every cop thinks there's that risk if I chase this bad guy down a dark alley, but just knowing that I'm just sitting in my car, which happened in Seattle, an officer was shot and killed, the Lakewood Four, a Pierce County deputy. And one of the things I really remember was one of my officers, I was passing an office, and I heard someone crying, and I went in there, and it was one of my one of my officers, big guy, and he was crying. And so I'm like, you know, calm down. I go, what's wrong? And he said this morning as he was getting ready for work, his six-year-old daughter grabbed his leg, begging him not to come to work. And he literally had to force her off his leg. And he said, he's, I can't get that out of my head, and now i got to go out on the street, and I've got to answer calls and I got to treat people respectfully and I got to be alert to what's going on. For our officers to be as healthy as they can on the street, to be alert, to be professional, there's a strong part of that that has to make sure that we're doing everything we can to support that family so that when that officer leaves, they know that their family is experiencing resiliency. They can leave with some sense of confidence that they're going to be okay. We have 50 two officers right now, or recruits, I should say, that are in the academy. And we just they just started, and I asked them, you know, how many of you have heard of Zach Parrish? How many of you have heard of Heath Gum? How many of you have heard of Deputy Flick? And every single one of them raised their hands up for each one. It was pretty heartening to see that that many people are still wanting to do this job. It's good having you with us today. If you just tuned in, this is A Blue Perspective, part of Colorado Today. And we've been joined by some wonderful people from the law enforcement community who wanted to share their thoughts and insights about 
what's impacted their community. Three deaths since the beginning of the year, practically, and a lot of other shootings in town. And here to discuss it, Sergeant Mike Petrusu, uh, the exec officer at the Aurora Police Department, the Aurora Police Department's Chief Nick Metz, Dr. Sarah Garrido, a police psychologist with Code 4 Counseling, and Douglas County Sheriff Tony Spurlock looking at me. Tony, it's been about 70 days now, I guess, somewhere around that number. Um, since the year started the way that it did. How's the community now? Not your law enforcement community, but Douglas County. They're very caring. Uh, We still have folks approaching us and say, we'd like to do a fundraiser. We had one on Sunday. There was a fundraiser that went through the three counties, um, Adams, Douglas, and El Paso counties. They're still there. They're still reaching out. They're, what can we do? We're now addressing some different things and and directing them to different areas. I'm going to have lunch with Gracie Parrish and talk to her a little bit about some things. And the community is still very touched and wanting to help us. I think that it's everywhere. I I do a lot of business all over the place. I come into their jurisdiction and and have meetings, and the citizens, exactly like Mike was saying, the citizens still come up to us. They have no idea. I don't work in the city of Aurora. (laughs) They see blue, and they come up, hey, thanks. I'm in a restaurant. Hey, thank you for for caring and and doing your job for us. So the collective community in the metro area is still very, very open to law enforcement, very supportive. My community in Douglas County, I couldn't be more blessed. Uh, They reach out all the time. We still get cards and letters, and, and, and it's one of those kinds of things that we share every day, and that's what you have to do, like what you're doing. I take it to, we have an academy going on right now. We take those over. Look what we we had we actually had so many of them we started scanning them and we sent them over so they could do some you know video stuff just so we could share with them to say listen the, the world's not bad the world's a good place to be in it's the kids i worry about the most right the little ones who are impacted so much by what they see and and they consume so much social media the kids it is it's a different generation and and their existence is is around social media and so they're exposed to significantly more they have to deal with significantly more than any of us did um, because of social media and texting and that constant pressure that that comes from that but i think it goes back to what everyone's been saying today is it's it very much requires a proactive approach and it requires a lot of open dialogue and a lot of communication. And I think when you have the communication around what could happen and what would you do if and how would you recover from, those sorts of conversations make people stronger. It's what law enforcement does. They're always running scenarios. Ask any of these three in the room. They run scenarios all the time of what would I do if this happened? And if we can teach our kids that same mindset of what would you do? Who would you go to? Who would you talk to? Both from a incident approach and from a psychological approach, you create stronger kids. And I think that we're seeing more of that as, as schools and parents and communities are teaching a proactive approach to life. And, and we have to with kids. What can they do, Nick? What, what You know, folks that aren't wearing the blue, the folks listening, the, the people that you serve day in and day out, they, you know, they want to know how they can help. They want to know how they can make things better, I think, is right. Any advice for them? Well, it's been mentioned several times already, and and it, it can't be underestimated the impact that has. is just when you see a police officer telling them thank you. Um, it's, it's easy, I think, when things like this happen that for some of our officers to think we're not supported. And then when somebody comes up to them and wants to buy them a cup of coffee or just simply tell them 
thank you. It means the world to those officers. So I would say at least from a start, that's, that's huge. I think just being good stewards of their communities, um, I think they can be very impactful uh, on a much smaller scale in their own communities. So whatever that looks like, if it's going up to uh, first responders and thanking them for that, if it's participating in some community event that's going on or volunteering their time um, at one of the local shelters or food banks or something like that in their community that needs that assistance, um, I think those relationships that we build um, are going to make us make us better in the future. I, I would agree, and I, I would say if you were listening to this and you're a teenager or teenager something, if you have a question and you see an officer out, walk up to him and ask him. Cops love to answer questions. They really do. And they like to be approached by folks and help them. And so I, w- I would encourage you to do all the things that, it, that has been said. But if, if they have, don't be afraid to engage your public servant. Uh, don't be afraid to, to walk up to a police officer and say, hey, I, I have a question about this or that. That makes a huge difference to them, too, because they want to engage their community. And I and I encourage the community, again, to, when they have the opportunity to serve their community, and it doesn't necessarily have to be us, but you can serve in your churches, you can serve in community groups, and reach out to someone that you know. If you're a high school kid and you see a kid that's in a corner and no one talks to him, Go over and say hi to him. It doesn't cost you a dime to say hi to somebody that you don't know. And you may make a lifelong friend or you may help that kid get through that day. And what I'm proudest of our community of Aurora is how the different cultures have assimilated, Mm -hmm. right? We have days Mm -hmm. like Global Fest and we have all that in the community. There seems to be that that effort in Aurora to learn about who these Mm -hmm. people are that live with us, who've who've moved in. Mm -hmm. I I think there's a reason it happens, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think what's great about our community is that when you're talking about these different cultures assimilating, they also want law enforcement to be part of that group as well. And they, you know, they invite us in and they want to to share their traditions with us. Look, the last thing I want is people afraid of law enforcement officers. I remember growing up in a much simpler Mayberry RFD time many years ago, right, where the last thing I would have been is afraid of a a law enforcement officer. And hopefully this broke some of that down if it exists. We've been joined by some wonderful people from the law enforcement community who wanted to share their thoughts and insights about what's impacted their community. Sergeant Mike Petrusu, uh, the exact officer at the Aurora Police Department, the Aurora Police Department's Chief Nick Metz, Dr. Sarah Garrido, a police psychologist with Code 4 Counseling, Douglas County Sheriff Tony Spurlock. And thanks to all of you for joining us today for A Blue Perspective. Lots of work left to be done, isn't there? But we're making progress, and it was really important that we have this opportunity to learn from the law enforcement community itself just what their struggles, challenges, opportunities are, and how we can be a part of that. If you missed the beginning or any portion of the interview and would like to listen to it again, or if you would like to share it with somebody, it exists as a podcast. Go to cruisin1430.com, the Breakfast Club page. You'll find it right there. I'm Rick Crandall. That's a Blue Perspective on Colorado Today. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.